If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. You long for a deep, fierce love, the stuff of legends. But overwhelm, fear, and doubt keep holding you back. But this is your life and your marriage. This is the legacy you will be remembered for. So we are on a mission to inspire and challenge you to live the adventure of a legendary marriage. This is episode 38 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast, (laughs) and we are co-hosts Danielle and Justin Williams. That's right, and this is the podcast for couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. Yeah, we know what it's like to want a great marriage, but you're not quite sure where to start. Every week, we're bringing you inspiration, encouragement, practical ideas, and of course, a challenge that'll help you build more intimacy and connection in your marriage. And we'll have a whole lot of fun and laughter along the way. I just want to go... Why? Just the thought of packing for a two and a half week long road trip. Ah, uh, road just, trip. I know we love the road trip. I'm a we're huge fans of the road trip. We're about to start the legendary marriage tour. Heck yeah! Yeah, summer 2017 legendary marriage tour. Raise your glasses, sangria. Boop, sangria. No, it's sangria. I learned it from listening to Karen Harper. She calls it sangria. I know, because she used to live in Spain, but you didn't, so no, she can get away with it. But it's tasty. But you know what? Way, the no cool, what, you, what way you say it. It is tasty. And it's from Costco, so it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody out there knows by now that pretty much everything we eat, drink, like, or, or have comes from Costco. I feel like we need to get them to sponsor our show. Ooh, that's an idea. Uh, this episode of the Legendary Marriage Broadcast. Yeah, totally messed it up. Too much sangria. Oh, it was like one sip, although I am a total lightweight these days. <laughs> no, but the fun part about packing, which is kind of fun, it's really more cute than anything, but our kids want to pack. Yeah. But there is, we have... Allie was dragging a suitcase around I know. earlier. I'm like, bless oh, not, our yet, cot- not yet. Bless our cotton picking heart. <laughs> and she... <laughs> She thinks we're not leaving for like six days, which we're leaving like two. But if we tell her it's two, she's just going to lose her gourd. Yeah, so. she won't sleep. She'll <laughs> so we're lying. I'll wake up, to I'll wake up at 3 a.m. with her standing over me going, is it time to go, daddy? No. So we made her a fake calendar that she can cross days <laughs> off of. <laughs> Surprise! Um. Yes. So. Um, oh, and the by the way, show. By the way, Danielle's parents don't know that we're coming earlier than we told them either. So <gasps> surprise! Dun, dun, dun. We're those kind of people. We're the poppins. But they they're fully expecting it. Yeah. Like the other day, she Danielle's mom was checking find my friends on the on the phone. Yeah. She was like, I think they're on their way. She has <laughs> like, stalker like tendencies. No. No. We're just. Went to the grocery store. Nope. But she still knows where we are, though. Um, so the joy... She calls me up the, day, the other day, and she goes, you go to Costco a lot, don't you? Jeez. <laughs> that's where you turn off, find my friends. It's a little <laughs> too much information. Um, no, the joy of the road trip for us, like, oh, honestly, yeah. like, as soon as I was of the age where I could start driving, like, I found myself, like, I would drive and then the interstate entrance ramp would be coming up and I would want to like jerk the wheel and just hit the road. No, I'm not kidding. Like 
the draw to the road trip is for real for well, me. Well, you know, uh, four years ago, right now, yep, we were on the RV trip. Mm-hmm. We took, we bought an RV and spent five and a half, almost six months on the road, all through the the west, uh, all the, out to the west coast, up the coast, back through Wyoming, Yellowstone, Colorado, you like, name it, everywhere. And it was an amazing adventure, and uh, it was it was actually uh, kind of a mission. We were looking, f- we were trying to figure out what was next for life. Yeah, and uh, and try to serve some people and love on people um, along the way, and that's actually where Legendary Marriage was born. And you know what? That's so funny because I was just telling Caroline the story tonight about how she was conceived on the RV trip. Well, that sounds like a great story that I'm so glad that you would tell her. <laughs> Not Well, I told her that we found out we were pregnant on the RV trip. Yeah. Okay, moving right along. So <laughs> so I was just we were talking about this like great things happen on road trips for us. Like we yeah. we absolutely love it. We have some of our best conversations. Mm-hmm. Um we really connect when we're on the road. Yeah. And um so speaking of connection, yeah. We've got a freebie that we're posting about reading, growing, and connecting. It's a special um, report. <laughs> um, the five essential books that will spark connection in your marriage. It's actually a freebie on legendarymarriage.com if you want to check it out. Yes. But you know what? I was I was actually having some kind of flashbacks. I enjoy reading now. I'm a big audio booker. But um, I came across this list, and it was six reasons people hate reading. So the first reason was bad memories from being forced to read in school. Oh, my gosh. And honestly, that was a a reason that I didn't like to read as a young adult, too. I would always just try to read the Cliff's Notes because it was just torturous, the stuff that they made you read. What did you think? Well, I was an English major, so I disagree. I know. You're a Shakespeare man and everything else, which is wonderful and I love about you. Forsooth or tooth. I don't know. Is it for tooth? <laughs> anyway. Know. How am I going to know? All right. The next reason people hate to read was that their mind wanders. They, yeah. just, they just... It's interesting, but reading is a great way of training your, your, your attention. That is very true. Yeah. Okay. The next reason is they're just impatient. They have a short attention span and it takes too long to read a book. Mm. They want like a movie. That or... sounds a lot like number two, but I, I'm picking yeah. up what you're laying down. Go on. Yeah. All right. The next reason is because cool people don't read. Uh, <laughs> Who wrote this article? <laughs> I, I don't know about cool, but I'll say successful people read. Like the average millionaire, Dave Ramsey always says this, the average millionaire reads a minimum of one book a month, mm-hmm. a nonfiction book. Yes. So say you want to be a two millionaire, you start reading two books a month. Heck yeah. All right. And... The next one kind of goes along with that. They just don't know the benefits of reading. Yeah. You know, they just takes time waste. All right. Number six, the last one, they are afraid of the answers that might reveal, be revealed to them. What? Like what people, kind of books are you reading? Well, it, they made the case is that uh, like if people read nonfiction books or self-help books, they aren't bold enough to be called forth oh, and take yeah, action. Like, so it's like they just feel like they're filling themselves up, but they're too scared to actually mm. grow or act on something yeah. that they read. Yeah. 
I get that. Which is interesting. Well, the truth is not only is reading a great way to grow, but it's a great way to grow together in your marriage Mm -hmm. and have some new conversations, liven up things uh, instead of talking about the same old things over and over again. Yeah. So that's why we have the five essential books that spark connection in your marriage posted up on legendarymarriage.com. That's right. Go hit it. You got a freebie there waiting for you. Yeah, you can grab it at legendarymarriage.com slash five, the number five, books. All right. So today on the show, we have Ms. Laura DeBellis. She's sharing her story about how she and her husband dealt with a miscarriage and infertility and how each of them mourned differently and how they came out the other side even stronger. Yeah, Laura has two precious girls that she loves fiercely. We're talking cage lion kind of fierce. Wow. She's currently a stay-at-home mom and blogger. She places God, her husband, Jamie, and her children as a top priority. Jamie and Laura have been through some tough times in their 14 years of marriage, but always placing God first, they've been able to work out every challenge that comes their way. She shares her story to tell others there is a light at the end of the tunnel and... They're loved and cared for even in the darkest of times. So welcome to the show, Laura DeBellis. So I'm joined here with Laura DeBellis. Yes. A good friend of mine for over five years. Yes. Laura and I, our our oldest girls have almost identical birthdays and we have been in a mom's group together forever. And the first thing I remember about Laura and her sweet little girl was she had the tiniest, sweetest little girl. And she was just like a little peanut of a thing. And I thought, Oh, she's so sweet. And my girl, my daughter is a giant. She's just a giant. giant. Yes, she is a giant. Well, I mean, Justin and I are kind of giants, so it's not super surprising that we would have a giant child. But yes. um, actually, we were we're putting her into kindergarten, and she was she had a day at school where she had to meet the the uh, current kindergarten class, and she came home to report that she was all already taller than all the. Yeah, this is not surprising. Yeah, she's a giant. Um, so you have been married for how long now, Laura? So we have been married for 14 years. You and Jamie. Now, how did y'all meet and fall in love? So we met, uh, so I'm from Alabama and I went to a small private liberal arts school called Birmingham Southern that nobody's ever heard of. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I moved from Birmingham to Houston And then he went to the University of Montana, but had just recently moved back to Houston also. He's from right outside Houston. And uh, I had a job for like two weeks and he was working there. Mm. Yeah. So I was... uh, Saw him across the cubicle and was like, ooh, I like that forehead over there. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. (laughs) I thought he's taller than me and wants to date me. Perfect. I mean, he's not taller than me by a whole lot, but more than other guys, I think. Us, us tall girls, that's an issue, though. You always it is somebody an issue. Who's a little taller. You always do. And they never wanted me. They wanted the short girls. So how did you so how did you start dating and fall in love and all that? Uh okay, so we went during my two-week period there at that one job. We went on a trip to College Station one day in my car, and apparently I talked the whole time. The whole time. 
he will still talk about this. He and my mother think it's hilarious <laughs> or annoying. I'm not. Were you Were you nervous? Uh, no, I just like to talk oh, a okay. lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe I was nervous. I don't know, but I just talk a lot. Um, I'm with the so, sister. That's why I yeah. have my own podcast. So I can just sit here and talk, 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 talk all the time. <laughs> yeah, we need a talk show. <laughs> That's right. We need to kick Hoda and what's her face off of NBC. Oh, is it Kathy Lee? But I love show? Hoda. I love Hoda. So. Oh, I know. My Today yeah. show, to be on the Today show is like, that would be my dream come true for sure. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. You'll invite me. Invite yes, me. I will. Yeah. Uh, if I ever co-host as a, uh, as a guest co-host... You're on the show, girl. Oh, sweet. <laughs> I'll do it. So you and Jamie got married after dating yes. for a while. And yes. tell us about um, how it started, you know, started thinking about kids and moving in that direction. So we had uh, been, let's see, we had been married two or three years before we thought about having children. And we thought, oh, we won't have any issues, you know, like 98% of the world. And sure enough, we did. So we started out doing 10 to 12 rounds of Pimara and Clomid, which in the infertility world, that's uh, like the lowest prescriptive medication they're going to give you. And then uh, that didn't work. So then we did four inseminations. That didn't work. So then we did two rounds of shots. That didn't work. Mm -hmm. So I did two hysteroscopies and a laparoscopy. That didn't help. And then we did IVF, and this is all over a five-year period. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in IVF, I only produced two eggs, and they did not grow. And so they were like, uh, lady, we're shutting this down. Like, wow. this is done. I'm sorry. I'm giving you a 2% chance of ever getting pregnant. Wow. How did that hit you? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, with all the, all the rest of the stuff that had happened, all the rest of the inseminations and everything else, I was like, you know what? It's just another thing. At that point, I felt so beat up. I was like, just another thing. And we had been uh, robbed. Our house, well, burglarized. Our house had been burglarized in Houston. Wow. And so we used the money from the insurance to pay for IVF. And so then I felt like I had been robbed twice. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I know. You're like, oh, you stole my stereo and my eggs. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Now, how did, how did Jamie process all that? The 2% chance and you got to give it up. He, uh, he worked. My husband is a worker. He is a little worker. Baby. He can, he loves to work. It's his thing. And, uh, he got employee of the year that year. <laughs> So, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. He turned the pain yeah. into I'm gonna work some more. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So what are um some of the biggest joys that you've had in your marriage so far? Oh, that's a good one. So my biggest joys are of course my two precious little girls. That well, how we, did that how did that even yeah, I know, I know. So that happened uh, by the grace of God. So they are both natural, believe it or not. Uh, so Catherine and Hannah is five and a half, and then Esther just turned four. So they're 18 months apart. And um, Catherine and Hannah, we didn't even realize that I was pregnant until I was six weeks pregnant. Because you, you don't uh, think oh, it can happen. Well, you don't think that. Even though I had every symptom under the sun, I was 
I didn't realize. And so <laughs> I took a pregnancy test and I like, you know, went like this. I just like, was like, mm, okay, why am I torturing myself? I'm just, yeah, I literally just threw it in the trash. And then like another week goes by and Jamie was at work. And so I looked at it and I was like, well, it's got two lines. What can that be? And like a lot of people who are 16 years old or something would not know. I was 34 and had been through five years of infertility. You would think I would know how to read a pregnancy test. But there you were had, letters you hadn't involved. seen too many positive pregnancies. No, I had not seen many positive ones. That's true. That is true. So Jamie came home and I showed it to him. I was like, well, so what does this mean? And he's like, well, that means you're pregnant. And I was like, no, no, that can't be. I said, listen, we'll clear this up. We will go to Walgreens, and it was after hours, of course, and we'll show it to a pharmacist because we're, you know, in Alabama, we didn't have a ton of money, couldn't always afford to go to a doctor, so we go to a pharmacist. It made complete sense in mm-hmm. my head. So we go, to, like a bunch of dum-dums that can't rub two neurons together. We go to <laughs> Walgreens, and I show it to the lady, and I'm like, can you tell us what this means? And she's like, well, that means you're pregnant. And I'm like, but you don't understand. It can't. Be like I'm telling this woman it can't be. I have so, to have food poisoning or something. Yeah, I didn't know. I actually I was so lame. I thought I had cancer because I thought I had put all these infertility drugs in my body. I never did any real drugs, but I thought infertility drugs. I put a ton in my body, and now I'm dying. Mm. That's literally. I never thought I was pregnant. I thought I'm dying. <laughs> Well, that was a better option being pregnant. Yeah, it yeah. really was. It, it it worked out well for me. So what um what advice would you give to other couples that are either thinking infertility might be an issue or yeah. they're just in the in the um depths of infertility? Yeah. In the trenches of it. Um well that's a good one. What advice would I give them? Okay, well, the first one would be, I would say, look at your budget. And if you have an endless amount of budget, do as many IBS as you want. Mm -hmm. Go to town. You know, if you were like us and didn't have endless amounts of money, Mm -hmm. then I would say, okay, this is the maximum amount of what we're going to spend. And after that, we need to pursue a different option. And just, you know what, just truly, truly, truly just be praying for God's um, just for God to look after you and to make the right decisions. Yeah. Um, that, that somebody told me that early on and that really sort of stuck with me mm-hmm. because you don't want to go into the hole for this. You just don't. Yeah. So, but, um, and how did it, how did it affect your marriage going ooh, through okay, all that's the infertility treatments? Um, you know, there were some moments where, you know, he probably blamed me. Maybe I blamed him. But for the most part, I would actually say that it sort of brought us together. Mm. Um, because it helped our communication. You know, which decision are we going to make? What time are these appointments? My level of stress is out the door. Uh, can you believe that, you know, so-and-so is pregnant? You know, how did they announce this? It really, it, I, I feel like it genuinely, in the long run, not during it, you don't realize when you're in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. it did help our communication. Yeah. Now, um, you had, so you're, you have two sweet 
Yes. Little girls. Yes. And did you ever have any more issues with fertility? Yeah. So um, after we had the two girls, we were going to try for a third, even though I was almost 40. And uh, we did get pregnant and uh, we very sadly lost that baby at 10 weeks. Mm. And then that was, that'll be two years ago in September. And then in December, two years ago, um, got pregnant again, but we lost that one very early. And then we, we just haven't really tried. I mean, I'll be 41 in October. I mean, chances are, it's not great that I will get pregnant again, you know? So, but I, you know, in my mind, I would love a third baby. Yeah. I know. I know. Now, how was, um, you know, going through the, the ordeal with miscarriage, how was it different for infertility? from the okay. infertility. So we lost one during infertility also, but I was very early. So my thinking at that time was, woohoo, wow, I finally got pregnant. Something works. This is not impossible. Mm-hmm. So it gave me some hope. And I was like, party, yay. And then, you know, of course we lost the baby, but I still held out hope. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after IVF failed, I had I mean, not only did I have no hope, I had like negative, like negative 4,000 hope. Like mm. I was like, like this never going to happen. Okay. God, you gave me your answer. We're good. Um, and then the loss after having two children, it was heavy. It was really heavy mm. because I had experienced birth. I knew what it was like to be a mom and to have that, um, love that is I, I I think I described it to you in that little whatever it is I said I love my children fiercely like a caged lion kind of fierce like I love these children like nobody's business yeah and to, so it was a really heavy loss because we didn't see it coming I was a little bit further along you know 10 two and a half months um and you know I had to have surgery and all that so it was two very very different uh types of uh, recoveries mentally. You know, I, I find that a lot of people that go through miscarriage just don't talk about it very much. Um, the men or the women just don't talk about it very much because, um, I don't know if they don't know how it'll be received. What do you think about that? Like, do you talk about it or do you encourage others to talk about it or? I talk about it, but that's just me personally, because I'm a talker. I love to talk. Um, and early on in my infertility, I uh, learned that maybe talking too much is not a good thing. And I, you know, got a lot of the crazy eye, which I understand. I probably look at me like I was certifiably insane too. Um, but I mean, you are a little bit like, I can speak for myself anyway, saying, okay, you are a little bit crazy. You're on some heavy duty drugs there, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah, you can always blame it on the drugs. Yeah, I blame it on the drugs. And then the second one you know, I was further along, so I had to have surgery, and I was like, because I think I felt like as I was older, and I was taking a chance, you know, I was 38, going on 39, when I got pregnant, um, I was taking a chance, and I already knew that I was going to hear it from family members, you know, because I'm from the South, and they're old school, and they're like, well, you know, you didn't have a kid at 16, you are an old maid. So I knew I was going to hear it from them. And then, you know, I just didn't want to hear it. You know, I just didn't want to hear it. So I tried to guard my little heart 
and be like, nope, I'm fine. I'm fine. You'll leave me alone. Nobody bug me. Nobody, I'm just fine. I'm fine. We're going to get through this. It's fine. It is fine. You know, so, so. That's, maybe if you say it vehemently enough that you'll believe it yourself too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. That would have been really nice in the moment. Yeah. This episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Legendary Marriage Intensive. Rediscover the heart of your marriage. If you love each other, but you've lost heart, then it's time for the Legendary Marriage Intensive. A beautiful mountain lodge, three days of clarity, purpose, adventure, and renewing your love for each other as you forge friendships and transform your marriage forever. We'll help you look at the story of your relationship with fresh eyes so that you can fall in love all over again and resolve some of those long-standing and recurring conflicts while you craft a clear, fresh vision for the next season of your marriage and your family. Oh, and you'll have some epic adventure in the mountains and a romantic night on the town. It's deep, rich learning, adventure, and plenty of laughter. That's the focus as you forge friendships and build the skills and tools to transform your marriage and your family forever. October 19th through 22nd, Breckenridge, Colorado, and we only have limited space. So find out more and apply at legendarymarriage.com slash intensive. If you have questions, email us at Danielle and Justin at legendarymarriage.com. And now back to our interview with Laura DeBellis. So, um, so what happened? You had to have a surgery. You had a surgery and then how did you, how does life go on after, you know, you have a miscarriage, you have surgery? Yeah. Well, at that point I had a a three-year-old and a Mm two-year-old. That's what I, yeah. A three and a half and a two-year-old. So um, life just sort of went on. So I had on, on Tuesday, on a Tuesday, I found out we had lost the baby. And then on Friday I had surgery and the next morning we got up, you know, everybody did. And my husband said, um, what project do you want me to work on? And he spent all that day working on projects because that's the way that he grieves. He just, he's a worker bee. And, you know, I said earlier, my idea of a vacation is who is going to bring me a margarita on a beach? Mm-hmm. And his is eight national parks in six days. Well. Yeah, I mean, he's, he has a tremendous amount of energy. So I wasn't in my right mind to say, and I probably back then our communication wasn't good enough for us to say, wait a minute, let's put, let's think about this for a minute. What do both of us need? Mm-hmm. And so, the, you know, that's something that we learned from that experience, you know, just because we've been married 14 years or 14 months or hours, seconds, whatever it is, doesn't mean you you won't go through really difficult times and that the communication won't be trying because it will be. Yeah. Um, so it sounds so, like the difficult stuff is what has forced you all to like yes. really come together and communicate. Yes. And both of our parents are divorced. So we didn't come from experiences where we had um, the best examples for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, so long story short. So then the next week happened. So on, so head surgery Friday, the next Thursday, I remembered, oh my goodness, we are going camping tomorrow with our Sunday school group. Well, I hate camping. I hate it. Not hate enough margaritas. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. 
<laughs> so I spent all that day packing. Friday, we didn't get there till like 10 o'clock at night. And that night, God bless his family, they they had a little boy. It was at least one kid and I think two. They'd had a stomach bug that week. And the little boys, at least one little child, spent all night throwing up in the tent next to me. Yes. Oh my! I was up all night listening to this. So then the next night, my kids started throwing up. And I was like, we have got to go. Now, Jamie went to University of Montana and he loves to camp. It's a nightmare to me. Mm-hmm. And, and he was like, well, I don't understand what the problem is. And he's like wanting to stay and wanting to stay. And Catherine is just throwing up. And he's like, finally, when we got home, I was like, why didn't we just go? And he was like, well, I thought she was going to stop throwing up. And I was like, where's that kid that only throws up once? I want to meet that kid. I have never heard of my 40 years met that kid that only throws up once. (laughs) So yes, so big learning experience as we all have. And uh, some of us need to be knocked on the head a few times like myself. Mm. And so, you know what? I just learned that if something terrible happens and the bottom falls out, then um, I need to express to Jamie, this is what I need a b c mm, in a I way that you need. I love it oh oh really oh well thank you oh yeah tell thank them you. what you need I mean yeah. I feel like a lot of times we're like we have this thing in our heart where we want our spouse to like mind read us somehow yes. like intrinsically know exactly what it is but you know I know I'm not good at it so <laughs> I don't yeah, know that Justin's going to be that great at it either. Yes, yes. So tell no, them what you need. That's great yeah. advice. That's great advice. I love that. Yes. And um, so you, it sounds like you had quite the experience with the miscarriage and then the surgery and then yes. a million projects around the house and then yes. going camping yes. and then... <laughs> So did yeah. you just like hit your breaking point or what? Oh yeah, I was crying. Oh gosh, yes. And then like two days later, one of my girlfriends, which I know she only came from a place of love, she called me and she was like, Laura, you know, I was thinking y'all might need therapy. And I was, okay, at that point, Danielle. You're I like, actually, I do need it. therapy. Thanks. Yes. I, pay for it. <laughs> I know. And a like, spa <laughs> treatment. And a spa yes. treatment. Yes. Yes, I need wine. I need A, wine. I need B, (laughs) I need a babysitter. I need therapy. Yeah. No, at at that point, I was like, I'm really going to lose it. Mm. But, you know, I just, we kept just working at it, you know, just taking it day by day. And just as time goes on, because I wanted to shield my little heart so much when it first happened, because I knew I was going to hear it from outside sources you know family friends why would you want a third baby look at what you've been through don't you know the recovery is worse well yes I'm aware of all these things but I also know that every gift every baby is a gift from God right so hold up with me for a minute so (laughs) so yeah that was a long story yeah so when did um so what what uh thoughts would you have for those that are just fresh off of a miscarriage how yeah. what would you give what advice would you give to them on how to process through it 
maybe you could find a happy medium from the experience that I had where I told like the whole world, every little thing that was going on with me and shielding my heart and never saying anything and trying to pretend like I'm totally fine. Mm. You know, maybe if it comes up in a conversation and you think it would help you, you know, to be able to relate to these people that have been in these uh, bottom falling out kind of you kind of situations. Um, you know, you have a friend, I don't know, somebody you meet, who knows, you know, how God's going to work it all out. But right. a lot of us have been there and it's pretty tough. So I love how so. I love through how everything that you've gone through with Jamie, y'all have always come back to each other and like, we're going to talk this out. We're going to talk about what we need. Hey, it's not always perfect. Yeah, like, no, it doesn't always no. look perfect. Guess what? I'm a sobbing mess on the floor and yeah. you're going to help me back up and we're yes. going to get back at it together. And yep. It's okay to be a sobbing mess on the floor. It's okay. Yeah, it is. It is. Guess what? You're going to get back up. It's not like yep. you're going to stay sobbing mess on the floor forever. Not forever. No. Temporarily, but not forever. I think sometimes people get um, really... Um, scared that if they go into that morning or into that like really sad place that they're never going to pull back up out of it. And that's just not yeah. true. That's just not yeah. true. Like if you just give yourself into it and just let it wail, then yeah. you're going to come out quicker and better. Yes. Sometimes I if I have like a really good cry, I don't get to cry very often. I wish I could cry more. I feel like, oh my gosh, so cleansed. I'm like, woo, I feel better. You know what I do if I I know I have to cry, but I can't, I'm not a big crier either. I watch Stepmom. Have you ever seen that movie? No, Stepmom is it Jamie good? Roberts? Oh yeah, the mom dies, and you know Ooh. it's horrible. It's yes. horrible, but it's so heart wrenching that you know those movies that you can't help but cry. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a movie yes. like that? Uh gosh. I'm sure I do. What is it? Oh, I loved Google Honey. That one was good. That made me cry. I know. It's not your fault. I know. I know. Oh my gosh. It's not your fault. I know. (laughs) So um, in wrapping up, um, so you and Jamie, about 15 years, you've got two beautiful girls. And so obviously this is the Legendary Marriage Podcast. What's one or two ideas that you have? What do you think it takes to have a legendary marriage? Oh, I know. One, especially when you have children, uh, just making time for yourself. Like I um, researched, I Googled Parent Night Out, Austin, Texas, because that's where we live. And so like last night, there was a church that put on a Parent Night Out. So they took the kids for from 4.30 to 8.30, so for four hours for $20. And they did crafts, they gave them pizza, they played outside for four hours for $20. I'm here to tell you that's a lifesaver. That's awesome. That's great advice. Yes, and uh, try and make time for your hobbies. Like mine, I like to sew or to thrift shop, and Jamie likes to go play basketball. So if you can, um, just make time for each other's hobbies. Mm. I mean, not when you're, you know, just have a newborn and you've gone dark, you know, like everything is going dark and you can't get outside the door. Not maybe not then, but you know, a little bit later on. <laughs> when you come <laughs> back out, up out of the darkness. Yes. Yes. When you've yes. had more than two consecutive hours of sleep, then become a human being. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Well, Laura, thanks so much. Yes, you're welcome. Podcast. And um, can you tell the listeners um, how to find you on your blog? Okay, so my blog is dbellis, www.dbellisoftheball.blogspot.com. So that is long. And okay. It's that's okay. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, we'll include it on the show notes. Oh, okay, so if cool. this story resonated with you, yeah. or you have some words of affirmation or whatever, just hit up Laura on her blog and we'll include that in the show notes. Well, thank All you so right. much, Laura. And You're welcome, well- my friend. Wow. Um, that story hits really close to home. And like we've known them for a while now, and I, I don't think I really heard much about that story before. Yeah. And it just, it's very closely connected to our story too. So mm-hmm. I'm right there with them in the ups and the downs and yeah. the, when Laura said she, she never thought she'd have a problem getting pregnant. And that's yeah. the same thing I thought um, when we started trying to have a family, it was probably about two years in before I really thought, um, I might need to admit there's something going on here that isn't quite right. And it's like, you just yeah. don't even want to say the word infertility. You don't want to say infertility doctor. You don't want to say fertility tests. It's like, it's like almost like if you admit it, then there really is a real problem. It's like you're putting a curse on it or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I know that's not real, but like in your mind, somehow that makes sense. Yeah. I, I just remember we were we were just so alone in it. Uh-huh. We were just so alone. Um, and so it's, like I said, the story strikes strikes close to home for me. Um, and and it's important. Mm-hmm. This is why we have couples come and share their stories on the show, not just mm-hmm. not just talk with experts. Like I love the interviews we do with them, but I, yeah. but I really, really. I think these stories are so important for people to hear, to know that they're not alone yeah. in the challenges. And yeah. I love how she points out that she and her, she and Jamie both mourned differently. Yeah. Or even just going through the process of it. I know, um, you know, of course you do failed test after failed test after failed medication. Endless, and seemingly endless cycle of hope. And despair and hope and disappointment and despair and hope and disappointment and despair and hope and disappointment and despair. Stop me anytime and every, where I'm going with this. Please, please stop. And every time you get that bad news or the pregnancy test that you took and you're like, there's no way that it can be, mm-hmm. that it can be pregnant. I love her story about she couldn't even believe it. She was in disbelief. Yeah. I would be, t- you know, I was in disbelief too when I finally got pregnant, but it was one of those things where it was just like, we were at such different places, like through the whole process of it. Yeah. We would talk about things and bless Justin's heart. He was amazing. He was always with me in it. And it sounds like Jamie was the same way too, but it was like, for me, I always thought that there was something that I could cross off the list. Like, okay, well I ruled that out or that's not going to work. It's one step closer to, what is going to work? Mm-hmm. And so I was just very into the details and the research and the medications and the tests. So um, how did you deal with that in, in the infertility thing? I feel like you were just really supportive of whatever I was doing. Yeah, uh, I did my fair share of reading and research and things like that. But really, it was a matter of, of just 
trusting you and trusting God for me. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. Like in that place, if I'm really honest, I was like, I don't, I don't have that deep drive or desire to have kids. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. Yeah. I was like, I trust you. So if, if we're going to have kids, let, let's have kids. It'll be great. I'm sure it'll be great. We'll, it'll be awesome. Um, but I was focused on, on work and, and other things. Yeah. I really. feel like that's probably a probably common story for a lot of guys is just, mm-hmm. they're just supporting their wife and their desire. And well, it, it's not, it's not that I, it's a disengagement and I just support you, whatever no, you want. Honey. No, no, it's, no. It's really, there are, there are seasons in a marriage where one person holds the, the, the vision. Yeah. More than the other does. Sure. And in that season, Danielle, you held the vision for our family mm-hmm. and I knew you could, and I knew you would. And so I was able to, to, to breathe in it. One of us had to be able to breathe. Mm-hmm. You bore the weight and the, 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 the responsibility, the stress over that. Yeah. Uh, with such grace and, and dignity and everything that I, I was, my job was, was to support you in, in leading us in that area. Um, thank you so much. I fully received that. And it's interesting that you use the word dignity in that because I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of dignity going oh, yeah. on. There was a, a lot of lack of. <laughs> yeah. If you, if, if you ever want to, uh, learn about where, where dignity really comes from, go through some fertility tests. Oh. Anyway, moving right along. Well, and, and she, she put I'll in there... look at Tupperware the same way. Oh, dear Lord. Okay. She, <laughs> she, was, she was sharing about when she went through her miscarriage, her latest miscarriage, of course she was wrecked by it. Yeah. But almost she felt like she couldn't share it with certain friends or family because it was kind of the peanut gallery thing. Like they, mm-hmm. she knew she was going to get like, well, you, sh- you know, it's you're older. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you, you want to say like, it doesn't matter what other people think. Like you want to put on that tough exterior, like, well, you know, it's my life and you can think what you want to think, but you really don't have any input, you know, mom, dad, best friend, neighbor, whatever. Um, it's my deal, but also it really does hurt when your friends or family, you know, have something ugly to say, especially when you're in such a bad place. Mm -hmm. It's just like, please just listen and love me and don't just shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is good advice anytime you're being with somebody who's going through something. Shut up and just be there. Yeah. And just listen. Your your words can't fix it, can't help in so many ways, but but just sitting there and staring at the wall with them and maybe a hug. Yeah. It goes a whole lot further. And, you know, that kind of goes into what she was talking about, just asking for what you need. She had said that that she and Jamie, just when they're going through a tough time or when they're grieving, they just have to ask each other, what do you need? No, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And that's so beautiful because it's like you don't always need a fix or somebody to say the perfect thing or Whatever. And sometimes um, I don't need to process and, and feel my way through it. Sometimes I'm just like, 
no. Can, can we just shut it down and get get back to what's next? And that's healthy. And it it's healthy sometimes. Yeah. Like you just you get to a point where you, I don't want to talk about it anymore for the same reasons, right? Like I, when we were going through it, I didn't want to talk about it with my with my friends. Yeah. Because it was like they didn't have anything to add. Mm-hmm. And and then you know you would get the the well you know it's okay, buddy. You know. You know, or or the weird comments about what foods that you should eat or what positions you're supposed to use. And it's just like, what? Yeah, please. Okay, anyway, why don't we talk about a movie or, hey, what's going on over here? Or, hey, let's go chop some wood or something. I don't know. (laughs) It's like whatever they're saying is like actually doing more damage than being helpful sometimes. Yeah. But it's like when I was in that place, I had to put myself in the mindset of these people love me. Mm-hmm. Like they're for the most part well meaning. Like what do they mean behind the crazy words that are coming out of their mouth? They mostly mean I love you and I don't want you to be hurting like this. Yeah. I want the best for you. That's basically what they're trying to say, but they usually don't say it too well. Yeah. Um in her last advice was take time for each other and time for yourself. And I feel like even when you're not in a crazy crisis kind of a situation, you have self-care. Yeah. So important. Having a rhythm for um, just relaxing, Mm -hmm. but not just relaxing, like doing things that restore you. For me, it's hiking or going to the mountains or some kind of adventure thing. Mm -hmm. Um, For Danielle, it's garage sale shopping. It is garage sale Uh, shopping or just going to the grocery store by myself, for goodness sakes. Yeah, it can be simple things. It doesn't have to be a 40 days in a hot air balloon kind of thing. It's just find those things that where you can get back to center. Yeah. Get back to full and come back. And they kind of goes in with the ask for what you need thing because it's like I know I'll have those moments where I'm just like I need that self-care time and I'm like if I just ask Justin I'm like do you mind if I just leave for an hour and like go on a walk or something and he's like yeah go for it you want to know a secret yeah um I actually really love it when you ask for that yeah like, because I come I'll, back I'll restored kind of, and not well, so not cranky. Just that, not just that. <laughs> I, I, like, if I say, you know, you're being a big cranky pants. Why don't you get out of the house and go do something or whatever? That could do more damage it than good. <laughs> no matter what words or language I use around it, right, you, I, I can't tell you, I can't offer you self-care. It's self-care. You have to recognize the need, ask for it, and take it. Amen. And And so, like, there are times when I'm just like, Okay, she really just needs. And you can anything that comes out of your mouth will sound like, um, is that that time of month? Even though you never say that, but that's like <laughs> what I hear in my mind. If you yeah. were to say, "You need some time, honey." Yeah, you're not enough is what it comes <laughs> out as. Yeah, what yeah. it comes across as. I, I mean, either side. Anyway, but so, also just I love the idea of like don't lose sight of each other too mm-hmm. in those moments because. You know, with our battle of infertility, it was eight years. And if we lost sight of each other through that, we would have come back after eight years and looked at each other and been like, who the heck are you? I've lost. I have no idea who you are anymore. If you lose track of each other for long periods of time, Um, even short periods of time, keep your focus on each other, too. So great interview. Uh, 
Thank you for doing that one. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. So um, the challenge that we have for our listeners this week is obviously none of us are mind readers. So have I knew you were going to say that (laughs) because it's written right there. (laughs) So have a conversation with your spouse and tell them what you are needing in the moment. There's always a need that can be fulfilled. It could be like, I need a hug. Or I need to go to the grocery store or whatever it is. So have a conversation with your spouse and tell them what you need. And then join or the... Or even better. What? Have a conversation, sit down and say, honey, what do you need right now? Yeah. Great, powerful question. I love it. So come join the conversation on our free community and Facebook. It's a private group for men and women to support, encourage, inspire, and share about transforming marriage from ordinary to legendary. It's super easy to find. Just jump on Facebook and search for Legendary Marriage Group, or you can hit us up at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 038. Don't forget to jump on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the show so that we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.